Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey, everyone. This is Chris. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast. Really excited to have you here. As always, it is so ex- it's such a great opportunity to be able to talk to you every week and be able to introduce you to amazing fathers, but also introduce you to 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 new aspects, new ideas, new new thoughts of ways in which people are fathering. And today we've got Sean Jensen on the podcast, and he is an author. He's a past journalist. He is a person that you may or may not have read some of his work, or your kids might have read some of his work. Middle School Rules is definitely a book that has been out for quite some time. I've known him for a bit and always love catching up with him. And so it's going to be a great opportunity for us to be able to chat again, but also for you to get to know him and, and his kids and get to know him more as a father. So Sean, thanks so much for joining us this week. Well, I'm so excited to join you. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm excited to have you here. Now, we always start by having you look at some of the aspects of raising a daughter. And I know you have some kids yourself. You have a daughter and a son, and definitely they make your world uh, complete. But one of the things that I like to always start with, with every person that's on the show, is that may have you turn back the clock and be able to think back to that first reaction about what it was like when you found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter. Well, my wife and I were fortunate. We had a son. Yeah, he was our firstborn. And then we decided and we wanted to figure out what the sex was for the first child. And so we knew a few months in advance that it was going to be a boy. But for the second child, we decided just to leave it to chance and let it be a surprise. And so it obviously wasn't until uh, the day she was born that we realized it was a girl. And I was so happy. I mean, I think part of me did want to have one of each. But once I saw her, And just, you know, those emotions kind of rush in because there's a little bit more fear, I think, for a man, you know, knowing that he's going to be raising a daughter. I don't know why. And and I do think it's a little bit uh, naive, but you kind of think, okay, well, I'm a man, so I'm more comfortable raising a boy. And so, uh, but I was very, very excited. I mean, we were were thrilled to have uh, Zara is her name. And she just was such a joy. And it's just such a, a incredible blessing for me, you know, to be her father and, and just to watch her grow up. So talk to me a little bit about that fear, because I know that fathers of daughters definitely have fears, fears for their daughters, but also a kind of a fear of the unknown. What are your largest fears in raising a daughter in today's society? Oh, man, I think my biggest fear is that I'm not going to love her in the way that she needs to be loved because I think my default is really to raise my kids the way I was raised, you know, and I was raised in a very tough love household. My mom was tough and you really had to perform uh, to do well, you know, in my household. And, you know, my father was in the Air Force. And so kind of being in a little bit of a military environment as well, uh, there were high expectations. And um, there really wasn't a whole lot of grace when you didn't handle your business, so to speak. And so um, I remember just growing up a lot in fear, like succeeding, because I was afraid not to succeed, to, to face what those consequences are. And as I've raised my kids, and my son Elijah is 12, and my daughter Zara is nine, the tough love approach worked with my son. 
you know, when he was younger and if he was doing something naughty and I, you know, raised my voice, he would kind of perk up and, you know, understand that something was wrong. But with my daughter, when she was, you know, four or five and I raised my voice, it didn't matter whether I was right. But if I just raised my voice, she would literally go upstairs and go under her bed. She would crawl under her bed because she just didn't like to, you know, hear my voice, you know, be, be sort of loud and, you know, and and again, it didn't matter whether I was right or wrong. It was just the raising of the voice that scared her, you know? And so I've really had to work hard to kind of deprogram myself from the way that I was raised because, um, I know that for my daughter, it just doesn't work for my daughter. She, she doesn't like, she certainly doesn't like to be yelled at by anybody. And really we shouldn't be right. I mean, why should we be yelling at our children? You know, that's not really an ideal way to raise your kids. And so I have to just kind of, you know, learn and practice how to, okay, something's bad happened. I've got to take a deep breath here. And how do I sort of, you know, deal or discipline in in a better way? So I've been actually taking this uh, uh, class through a church that we uh, go through sometimes and it's called grace-based parenting and it's, it's awesome. So it's been really an eye-opening thing for me because again that's not necessarily how I was raised but it's it's definitely the way I want to be raised. And one of the analogies that they have which I think is just so awesome is to take the mindset of a first responder, right? When you you know instead of reacting, you know you're responding to something. You know, and I just think that's so what a great analogy because could you imagine that you know when when a, a fireman shows up at the scene and they just start panicking like a normal person would, it would be chaos, right? And, and people's lives would be at stake, but firemen have to be under control and have to be calm and have to go through their procedures to make sure that they're handling the situation in the best way possible. And so I, I kind of like that an- analogy. And so I've been trying to apply that more in the way that I parent my children. Now, earlier you just said that you had to deprogram deprogram yourself from the parenting that you received as a child. And I think that there's probably others that have gone through that same experience where they have gone through something in their life to become who they are today, but it's not exactly the same type of parenting that they find that they need to do. Now, in your own experience, what did you have to do to be able to deprogram yourself, to be able to move forward. I, you mentioned the the class that you're taking right now, but I'm sure that there were some other steps that got you to a point where you realized that you needed to go through that, as you said, deprogramming. Well, first and foremost, I, my parents did an incredible, I, I had a great childhood. So I don't want to sit here and you know cast aspersions as if I had some really rough childhood or anything like that. I mean, I think my parents raised me in the best way that they you know could. Uh, provided me an amazing, you know, childhood, lots of great memories. I was able to be involved in a lot of things. You know, they did the things that were necessary to allow me to get into Northwestern University, which was my top choice for a college. And, and uh, they, they allowed me to be able to graduate from Northwestern without any student debt. And so I'm very grateful for the way that my parents uh, raised me. But with that said, I think we all want to do better. Right. I mean, we all want to sort of see how things are. And and what worked uh, 30 years ago isn't necessarily always the best way. Right. I mean, we see how everything evolves over the course of time. I mean, if we continue to make cars the way Henry Ford first made cars, 
we wouldn't have Tesla, you know? And so you got to constantly look for ways to innovate and evolve and uh, adapt to the times. And so in looking at my own example, it's just recognizing and frankly, listening to my wife. I mean, my wife is just a woman full of grace. I mean, she's shown me so much grace throughout our 25 years together. And so that is just one of her gifts is, is just being such a patient person who provides so much grace in so many ways. And so she would just point it out. This is not the ideal way to get through to your daughter. And she would just keep pointing it out. And, and look, at the end of the day, when somebody tells us something that maybe is hard for us to swallow or process, we have a choice. We can sit there and put up that wall and say, no, everybody else is wrong. Or you can do the hard thing, which is to try to step outside of yourself and look at the situation objectively. And uh, when I did that, it's true. It's, you know, I, I need to do better. And I don't want to do undue harm on my daughter in particular uh, by, by raising her in that way. And so, yeah, I, I challenge myself to continue to evolve. And I think one of the great things that I have done, you know, and I don't want to beat up on myself, but I think one of the great things that I've done for my children is to show them that I, I apologize to them often. You know, I'm not perfect. I tell them all the time, dad is not perfect. I'm not perfect in any way. And it's okay for them. I don't expect them to be perfect either. And so I do ask for their forgiveness. And I tell them that I'm constantly trying to get better, better in all ways, that I'm constantly pushing myself and that I'm going to have my ups and downs, but I want to keep trying to get better. And I think it's fun to be able to sort of look and take that deep breath sometimes. And instead of always beating ourselves up is, is try to step back and say, hey, Give yourself a little credit. I think dads don't do that enough sometimes. I think we can be self-deprecating and we can take all this criticism and, and sometimes abuse from all corners. But I think sometimes we can just look and say, hey, I've, I've gotten better. I'm doing better. I'm not perfect. I'm not where I want to be, but I can acknowledge that I'm better now than I was six weeks ago, six years ago. You know, and I know that I'm a better father and I'm a better man than I was six years ago and certainly 12 years ago when my son was born. I think being able to admit that for each one of us is part of the journey that we all have to go on is to say to ourselves that we're not we're not perfect and that we can't hold our kids to that standard either and that we have to be open and honest. So it's great to hear that from you and to be able to see that you're sharing that with your own kids. And I could because I think that. Each one of us have to show our kids that and be able to talk to our kids about that in some way to be able to help them to better understand who we are as individuals, but also who they are as individuals and that it's okay for them to have faults and to make mistakes and to admit when they're wrong because it's not easy to do, but it's so important to do that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Now, now I know that as a father to a daughter myself, I know that sometimes just finding those bonds, finding those commonalities and being able to find things that we share together are so important. Are there specific things that you and your daughter share together that really bring you closer together? Well, one of the things is, you know, obviously I love sports. And so my wife is not a sports person, but she also believes that sports are important for children. And so we wanted both of our children to be active and to at least be involved in one sport. And so my daughter's not really hugely into sports, but she decided she wanted to, you know, she tried 
uh, dance and she tried uh, gymnastics and she tried several things. But the thing that she's kind of stuck with is soccer. And then every season I ask her, do you want dad to keep coaching you in soccer? Because I've coached her from the beginning. And she does say yes. And I always try to tell her, hey, be honest. If you don't want dad to coach you, I'm happy to step aside and I can be the team manager or I can just be your dad and that's it. And uh, she does want me to coach. And so that's been fun for us to have that together because I do love soccer. Um, but also, you know, I have to recognize that well, what are the things my daughter loves to do, you know, and, and she loves playing with dolls. In particular, she likes American Girl dolls. And so we live in the Twin Cities of, of Minnesota. And her and I would regularly go on dates to the Mall of America uh, where they have an American Girl Cafe. That store actually just closed uh uh, within the last year. And so we don't have that anymore. But for a while, we would every couple months go on a daddy daughter date and I would get dressed up and she would get dressed up and she'd take at least one of her dolls and we would, you know, eat at the cafe. And sometimes I let her get her dolls hair, you know, cut and permed or whatever. And I honestly, I can't believe it costs that much money to like have that store do the doll's hair. I frankly think it's robbery, but it doesn't matter what I think. I mean, she thinks it's the coolest thing in the world. And to see her face light up, and again, we didn't do this every time, but to see her face light up as she's watching her doll get her hair done, it's, it's special, you know? And so I think that's something that I've definitely been intentional about is understanding that I want to do the things that she wants to do. There are certain board games I really don't enjoy, but she loves them. You know, I don't know how many times I've played Uno and I'm not really a fan of Uno, but she loves Uno. And so, yeah, I'm going to play. We're going to play Rumacube because she loves Rumacube and we're going to play pop up whatever it is. I can't remember which it is, but she likes it. And so we play it. And I think that we all should be doing that as parents, stepping outside of the things we want to do and, and do what our kids want to do sometimes. Completely agree with you. I, I've definitely been there with the board games, especially as a soccer dad myself. You know, you, you definitely jump in and you do whatever you can to to get on their level and, and definitely connect with them in any way you can. Now, I said at the beginning uh, when we started the show that you are an author, that you um, have written a number of books, and I, but you had an interesting journey in getting there because you started as a sports journalist and and you, you worked your way into writing books for kids. So talk to me a little bit about the journey that you went on and the decision that you made to be able to, to write books for kids. Well, I went to Northwestern to be a journalist. And I knew when I was leaving for college that I wanted to be a journalist. Initially, I wanted to be like a war correspondent. And so Northwestern was at the time considered to be the best journalism school in the country. And so I wanted to go there and work my way to becoming a, a war correspondent after I graduated. I knew someday also that I wanted to have a family, but sort of my plan heading to Northwestern is, you know what, I'm going to go be a war correspondent for a bunch of years, live all over the world. And then maybe when I'm 40 years old, I'll find a wife and we'll start a family. But of course, as luck would have it, and, and trust me, it's the greatest, greatest blessing of my life. But I met my wife, Erica. We started officially dating on March 18th, 1995. And so uh, we, we dated, uh, we got married, um, we've had two children together. 
And it's been incredible. And when we decided that we wanted to have children, I think both of us had, you know, had different challenges growing up uh, in, in life. And we sort of had a vision of what we wanted our family to be like. And so we didn't think that both of us could work full time and have super demanding jobs. And uh, we, we really didn't want to have like, you know, nannies or other people uh, raising our children. And so we had that conversation to say, well, if somebody were to step back in their career, who would it be? And just looking at a number of factors, it made more sense for me to t sort of take a step back from my career. Um, as hard as it was, I covered the NFL. I was doing it at a very high level. But at the time that we made that decision, the journalism was starting to decline. I really didn't see, you know, I have a very deep understanding of the history of journalism in our country. And due to uh, a number of variables, I didn't see how journalism was going to thrive after some of the downturn, you know, in the early 2000s. I didn't see something that was going to sort of change course all of a sudden from the boom time uh, that, that I experienced. When I came out in 1998, it was an amazing time uh, to, to enter the workforce as a journalist. But it wasn't that way necessarily sort of in the 2000s, you know, 2008, 2009. Around that time, newspapers started cutting back salaries. They started taking away benefits and the, the business was changing. Uh, meanwhile, my wife had a very good job as a marketing person at a, you know, Fortune 100 company and she had a great salary and she had great benefits. And so we felt like that might be a safer route. And then also that I was resourceful enough that I would be able to find other ways to make an income, you know, to continue to contribute toward our family. And so that was really the driving force behind it. It was very difficult because I loved being a journalist. I loved being a sports writer. I loved covering the NFL. It was a super fun job getting a chance to, you know, travel all over the country to to write about football. But as I tell other parents, we all have to make decisions, you know, and there's different chapters for, for our lives. And for me, when my wife and I decided that we wanted to have children, children had to become a priority. And uh, I had to sort of, somebody had to set aside that sort of, um, some, somebody would have to make sacrifices to accommodate, right? Either my wife or I. And uh, objectively looking back, you know, and, and standing where we are now, it was the right decision. You know, my wife is doing very well um, as a, you know, C-suite executive at a company and, and I'm doing my own thing, which is working. And, uh, but when, when the kids get sick, uh, the school always knows that I'm the first person to call. And, uh, you know, with, with the uh, COVID-19 lockdown, I'll be the person at home with the kids and my wife will do what she needs to do. So tell me a little bit about middle school rules, because that was a way for which, from when I see it anyways, it's kind of a combination of your, your love for sports, your love for your kids, and you've transitioned that into a story that really transcends both. But what brought you to writing that story and the subsequent stories in the series? Well, I love telling the middle school rules story. You know, after I left journalism, it was just a journey to sort of find out what I was going to do. And one of the greatest gifts that my wife gave me was she empowered me to say, hey, go try some things that you want to do. And I, I taught a couple semesters at the University of Minnesota. I worked on a couple startup companies doing some marketing and some, you know, other sort of, uh, you know, managing editor type roles. And then I came up with this book series idea. And really, Middle School Rules was born 
out of the idea that uh, my son and I both had this passion for sports. And we, my wife and I had committed when Elijah was born, before he was born, that we would read to him every single day of his life. And we did that. We committed to that. And as he got older, around four or five, he really started to show an interest in sports. I mean, he had all these posters of sports and he always wanted to watch sports with me. He wanted to attend sporting events. And so I was looking for sports books to read with him. And to be honest with you, there just weren't very good offerings. And uh, the, the books that were existing were written by people that I didn't feel had any credibility. Uh, the books had no substance, you know, to them. They, they weren't quality works. And so I kind of just asked myself flippantly, well, if you wrote a sports book, what would it look like? And that's where the idea for middle school rules came. You know, I, I think I was fascinated by writing the long personality profiles and features on these athletes. And I thought, well, what if I did a book w- about these athletes that just focused on their childhood? And that's the entire premise of middle school rules is to focus on the childhood uh, lessons and challenges that these athletes had to experience in order to become the person they are, in order to achieve that huge dream of being a professional athlete. And the beauty of the book series is that the books are not about the athlete themselves. The books are about these quote unquote rules that these athletes learn from these various people in their lives, not only the parents, but also the coaches and the teachers and the neighbors, different people who taught them some kind of lesson that helped shape them, shape them into the person they are. And so I was able to do that with several NFL players. My first female athlete was Skylar Diggins, who's a, a WNBA superstar. My daughter was so proud and so happy when that book came to fruition. I still remember she did a drawing of that book cover and it looked so cool. And I remember tweeting it out and being so proud. And then my daughter's dream, and if any of these, if any listeners can make this happen, my daughter would be elated. But my daughter's dream is that there would be a middle school rules of Simone Biles. Uh, But I've not been able to make that happen yet. So you are doing some amazing things to be able to tell stories, tell stories of people and the journeys that they went on. Kind of like what I'm doing with this and trying to share some stories of fathers and the journey that they're on. Now, and when you're telling these stories and you're writing and, and sharing that with your kids, how are you encouraging them? to tell their own stories and their own lives? Well, they've been a part of this entire journey. I mean, especially my son, just because he's older, but he knew about this when it was just an idea, you know? And I I make sure my kids know we celebrate those victories. You know, we celebrate those moments. When I finish a manuscript, we go out to a nice dinner. You know, when I when I have an athlete who says yes or says no, I share all that stuff with my kids, the the victories and the defeats, because I want them to see what it's like, you know, to have this big idea and to chase it. And I think the truth is, Chris, like, you know, I, I can't say that I make a ton of money off middle school rules book sales or anything. Right. I mean, I'm not you know, I haven't paid off their college or anything or paid off a house you know, with, uh, with book sales or anything like that. But whether I succeed or fail, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, because I've been committed to this and because I had an idea and I worked hard to put it together and I had the, the gusto 
and the courage to put it out there and stick with it for a long period of time that whenever it ends or if it ends, I have no idea. I hope that I've shown my kids what it takes, um, the highs and the lows, and perhaps one of them will have the courage if they have a great idea to pursue it with the same passion and to know that it's okay, that uh, failure is not determined by, you know, the, the, what I say is the worldly standards, but by, you know, by, by a different standard, you know, that, that success can be defined in so many different ways. And I believe middle school rules has been wildly successful. I can't believe every single day that I get to keep working on it. I'm just like pinching myself. Like I'm about to put out a sixth book within the next couple months. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm at book six already. And uh, every single time an athlete says yes is just an encouragement that I'm doing something right because it's it's hard to get high profile people to want to sort of take part in this journey because it's hard. And so I just hope that uh, the kids get a front row seat to see that their dad had the the daring to try something different. I think it'd be awesome. Sometimes my son even says, oh, dad, I wish you still covered the NFL. Um, it'd be fun to sort of see that, but I, I hope that they at least learn something and, and draw some courage from seeing their dad try something a little bit different than what other people might do. Now, I know you said you have a sixth book coming out. What's the future for what you're working on now? I know you've got a podcast as well, but, but tell me about what the future holds. Well, Chris, I, I wish I could tell you that I had this great big plan. Everybody always talks about a plan and things, but you know, I, I do other things. I have a consulting business. I do marketing and branding for people. That's the primary way that I make my income. But I really consider middle school rules and sort of the, the podcast and everything else. It's, it's a passion. I really think there's a huge need within youth sports. I feel like youth sports in the United States is broken. The system is broken for everybody. The only people who are happy are the people who are making a ton of money. But I don't think kids in general are happy. I don't think parents in general are happy. I don't think coaches in general are happy. And so if so many people are unhappy, the question is why and how do we fix it? And so I believe that I had an incredible experience with sports when I was a kid, when I was coached by one of my teammates' dads or sometimes my own dad, and I played with neighborhood kids, and my best memories were just playing pickup at a local park with my friends every single day after school. Those were my best memories. My best memories were not built around riding 40 minutes to go play on an AAU team a couple times a week with kids that don't really even care about me. You know, And next season, it'll be a whole new cast of characters on the same team, or maybe I'm on a different team. So I don't think it's a good system right now. And so uh, I want to put in front of kids and parents um, these incredible athletes that I think they should be looking up to. I, I do a lot of work to vet the athletes that I pick for middle school rules. No, I haven't had the biggest names in sport. Um, hopefully someday I might get one of those opportunities. But I work really hard to make sure that I'm picking athletes that I think kids should look up to. And then in terms of the podcast, I want to bring in front of my audience the athletes and the coaches who I believe have the right approach to youth sports. And so they share their journey. They share how their parents helped them achieve their dream. And then uh, hopefully those wise words from these accomplished people are is encouragement for the everyday parent and kid who's out there not sure who to trust. 
because there's a lot of people making big promises and asking for big paychecks, right? They're asking for a lot of money. Hey, if you come sign and play with this team, we'll be able to do X, Y, and Z for you. And sadly, oftentimes those people are just lying to these parents and kids. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Now, we always finish our interviews with what we'd like to call our Fatherhood Five, where we ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a parent. Are you ready? Yes. So in one word, what is fatherhood? Humbling. When was a time that you felt like you finally succeeded as a father to a daughter? My daughter was in kindergarten, and it was maybe two months into the school year, and her teacher asked me, Mr. Jensen, can you stay after class? I want to talk to you. And so I I talked to the teacher after class and Zara was waiting outside the classroom door. And the teacher said, we came in from recess and the kids had about 20 extra minutes. So I told them they could do whatever they wanted. And she was sitting at the front of the the classroom and she's able to see all the students. And my daughter Zara was playing with two of her uh, female friends, playing, uh, having a tea party in the kitchen area of of the classroom. And the teacher saw a little boy sitting at a desk by himself. He was sitting in his usual spot by himself. And she noticed that Zara, and again, this was there was no prompting from the teacher, but Zara saw that this little boy was sitting by himself. And the teacher watched my daughter, again, without any prompting, quietly walk up to that boy and say, hey, such and such, can I play with you? And the boy said, sure. What do you want to do? And Zara said, it doesn't matter, whatever you want to do. And the boy said, let's draw a picture. And she said, that sounds great. And they sat there and drew a picture for the next 15 minutes. And afterwards, I, of course, took my daughter to Dairy Queen because I was so proud. But I asked her, I said, Zara, why did you do that? And she said, Daddy, I don't think anybody should have been playing by themselves. And so my daughter is just a very empathetic person. And for her as a six-year-old to be able to recognize, you know, and say, hey, Somebody shouldn't be playing by themselves right now. And I'm going to step away from something that I really enjoy doing. And I'm going to make this sacrifice and go spend time with this person. I thought that was just incredible. So I, that was that was definitely my proudest parenting moment. It's definitely a great moment for any father to be able to see that empathy come through and be able to see them think about something beyond themselves. How would your kids describe you as a dad? Oh, man. Remember that word fear? I don't know. Because I, I asked them this like, you know, a few months ago. And I one of the kids talked about how I'm a good cook because I do all the cooking for my family. And uh, I think the other one said that I'm funny, you know. So I, I'm not sure if their answers have changed. Um, but but I hope that they think of me fondly. You know, I, I, I really do want to try to parent each of these kids so that they become the best version of themselves. And I feel like a lot of parents, they don't want to do the hard work to be a parent. And it's it's hard with social media and phones. And I mean, there's just so many challenges right now to raising kids. And I see so many parents who I believe are just giving up and they're just rolling the dice and saying, hey, I hope it works out because they're not around because they're, you know, I mean, they're just so many things. And so I, I just hope that they think of me fondly, you know, because I'm not afraid to be the tough parent. I'm not afraid to discipline them. But at the same time, I'll be that parent who will surprise them with special trips to places and, you know, spontaneous things that always upset my wife. Like, how, why are you taking them to such and such place? Right. So I, I like that too. 
Now, who inspires you to be a better father? Well, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, and I mean, yeah, I, I, I want to be honest with you, but, you know, I think that there's so many self-help books out there. There's books for becoming a better business person. There's a book for being more efficient, and there's books for being a better parent and all those things. But, you know, truth be told, uh, my default in just trying to be a better person, including being a better parent, is really just the Bible. You know, I, I think that, you know, the Bible provides some incredible values and principles and, and shares so many different stories that uh, even though I've read the Bible through several times, it's funny how, you know, when I talk to my friends and they'll, they'll come up with some kind of a parable that, oh my goodness, you know, that's a perfect parable for what I'm going through right now. And so that I think is definitely the best inspiration for me. Is, is just the Bible and, and ways to be a better parent. And finally, what advice would you give to other dads? You know what? It, I think one of the sayings that I give to other dads, when young people at my church you know, ask, I say, my, my saying is, I can't be a perfect parent, but I can be a present one. And that's what I would tell other dads, is be present in your kids' lives. You know, be present. You know, if, if you have that opportunity to... Yes, you should have some fun with your boys, you know, go out to a ball game once in a while. But if you're going out to a bunch of ball games, you, you're never home for dinner. That's I think that's a problem, you know. So be there for your kids. Be present in your life. It's not your wife's responsibility or it's not your child's mom's responsibility to be on top of the schoolwork. It's not their responsibility. You know, it's not just sports is not just your thing. Be involved in everything. Be present in all aspects of your child's life because they need us. I mean, this this world is tough. I am so grateful that there was no Instagram when I was a teenager because I'm pretty sure that something really silly that I did probably would have went viral. And so I'm grateful that to have that grace that I was not raised in an Instagram age. And so I can't imagine just the pressure that these kids are dealing with. And, you know, uh, having to to have everything move faster. Right. I mean, kids are I can't remember the statistics, but kids are seeing pornography as like nine year olds on average or something. I mean, just horrifying statistics about what our children are faced with. And so it's tough and they need us. They need their parents to be there to walk with them and to be a great example, not to duck and hide and, and count on teachers and coaches and and uh, grandparents to raise these kids. So be present in your kids' lives. I really appreciate you sharing that. Now, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your books, your podcast, or anything else? Well, I am on social media. So on Twitter, I'm at Sean K. Jensen. Very soon, Chris, I'll be publishing a new website. It'll be SeanKJensen.com. And that will just be sort of the home for my speaking. You know, I do a lot of public speaking. Uh, for my book series, Middle School Rules, for my podcast, Winning is Not Everything. Uh, and then it'll have blogs and just articles that I write for NBC Sports and other mediums. And so that'll really be the home place for my content. And and again, I just have such a passion, just the way you do. That's one thing I love about you, Chris, is you really dive deep to create great content for dads, right, who have daughters. And so mine is very similar. I mean, that's why I think you and I get along so well. But the only difference for me is I am passionate about finding great content around youth sports and youth sports in what I believe is done the right way. 
And so I am just constantly looking for those great examples to show our kids of sportsmanship and of being a great teammate, you know, of winning graciously, of losing graciously, right? All those kind of examples, man, I just live and die to find those and to share those with the people that are part of my community. Well, I appreciate you sharing that as well. And I'll definitely put links in our notes today. Thank you so much for being with us. It's always great to catch up. And uh, we'll definitely be looking forward to hearing about the new book and everything to come. Well, I appreciate it, man. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. And best of luck uh, you know, with the continued expansion of all the great things you're doing, Chris. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be